Hello and welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. My name is Jack Murley. On this week's show, myself and co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, look at the latest array of releases from WWE, including the shocking cut of Bray Wyatt. We ask what NXT actually is. We look at death matches in AEW. We fantasy book the end of The Undertaker's streak and set a new challenge for next week. And we look at something that's earning a push in everyday life and something that's going back to developmental. As always, you can get in touch at Jack underscore Murley, at Charlie underscore Beckett, or by emailing earningthepushpodcast at hotmail.com. And don't forget, the best way to spread the word about this podcast is by telling a mate who loves wrestling about what we do. Do it in person or on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And with all of that said, let's get on to the show. That is the most shocked I've been at a WWE release I think in this last 12, 18 months of releases, and everyone is sad because everyone is someone losing their job, and that is rubbish. That is really rubbish. But Bray Wyatt, he was last year's SummerSlam main event. Two years ago, I was telling you on a previous carnation of our show that he was the his new character was the best original character I'd seen since Undertaker. I was the, the world was his oyster. He's just the saddest story of missed opportunities in WWE, isn't he? Just Every time, I don't know whose fault it is, but I struggle to believe it's his because anyone you listen to will tell you he's one of the most unbelievable creative brains they've ever seen in wrestling. But every time it looks like he's struck gold with a new gimmick or a new twist on his gimmick, it just shrivels out in front of him. And very sad to see him go, but almost not surprised because it wasn't working for him and he couldn't do any more to make it work, but very intrigued to see what he does next. I really was surprised to see him go. And it plays into what I think is a new short-term thinking by WWE. And I'm going to play devil's advocate here. You, You see if there's anything to this. I'll throw it out and we'll see where we go. Have you been any less likely to watch WWE in the months since Bray Wyatt has been off television? Not because Bray Wyatt has been off television. So if you're WWE and you're going through your roster and you're thinking... We need to make some cuts. We need to get rid of some folk. Have our ratings gone down without Bray Wyatt? Has what we're doing gone down without Bray Wyatt? No, it hasn't. We can probably afford to lose him. Now, it's short-term thinking, but it does seem to me that WWE can justify losing him in terms of what they've been able to accomplish without him. It is so short-term thinking, I think. It's so narrow-minded. If you look back to the start of Bray Wyatt, I think that is where... It all went wrong because I do think the best gimmick he had, the best incarnation of Bray Wyatt, was a leader of the cult leader of the Wyatt family. Of they live in the woods. Like how how believable was it? You would get lost in the woods and stumble into these giant blokes who are doing all sorts back there, and that would be scary. That's like horror movie sort of scariness, and it's believable scariness. And the more supernatural he got, the more of a shelf life you put on him. I think because. Anything supernatural now in wrestling has a shelf life. As much as I loved The Fiend, I did. I thought The Fiend was one of the cleverest, cleverest gimmicks we've seen in a long, long time. I think they ruined Bray Wyatt when they didn't push him to the moon from the start. I really look at it, and I think for us as wrestling fans in the UK, some of our best moments as UK fans have revolved around the Wyatt family and what Bray Wyatt was doing. I remember being at a Raw taping where the Wyatts faced the Shield, and it was absolute insanity and you do wonder 
why WWE didn't put him on the back burner and say, all right, Bray, what's your next trick for us? Because we've seen what you can do, given some creative freedom, which makes me wonder if it was, and we don't know, this is speculation, whether he asked to be released or whether there's something more to it. We certainly wish him well, but uh, uh, I think long term, he's going to be a big loss for WWE. Both in the ring and out, because it seems, like I said earlier, anyone who you hear speak about him just says creatively there aren't many better. He just comes up with that. And you read reports of maybe that was where some of the um, fallout came, that he just has become more and more protective of his own ideas, his own gimmicks. But you can't blame him because he puts all this work in. It seems when it gets handed over to other people, WWE, they don't treat it maybe with the same respect it deserves. So this is a confirmed release. The rumour and speculation and this hasn't been confirmed by anyone in WWE, but is being reported by several well-placed sources, is that Adam Cole is on a short-term contract extension that is up after SummerSlam. And there's rumours that he may be going as well, which for you as our resident NXT man, our expert, our NXT lover, wow, did not see that coming. That's absolutely bonkers, isn't it? Because if there's one man you'd say... It's just gold for WWE at the moment. It is Adam Cole, Bay Bay, in NXT. He just, everything, I spoke about my pandemic MVPs a few weeks ago, everything he's doing at the moment in the last 18, 24 months has been brilliant. But then, and it was actually, I sent you a screenshot, it was Kenny McIntosh tweeted, if you were Adam Cole, you could kind of understand why you, why you would want to move on because look at the track record of men his size going from NXT to the main roster. And he's done everything he can in NXT. The next... The next obvious move for Adam Cole is to go up to Raw or SmackDown. Well, you look how it went for Finn Balor the first time round. You look how it went for Apollo Crews. You look how when Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa had their little flirt with the main roster, how that went. Vince does not look after these guys the way they're looked after in NXT. He does not book them the same way. Sami Zayn's another one. These quote-unquote indie darlings, these smaller work-rate-orientated men, they just still don't see you Vince's cup of tea, do they? Can we talk more about NXT? I want to come back to the rosters in a moment. And you mentioned Finn. Uh, weird, weird move with Finn Balor, John Cena and Roman Reigns on SmackDown the week just gone. But NXT, I've heard a lot of well-placed folk talking about the fact that the shine seems to be off the apple for Vince and NXT. That there was a point where he gave them everything they wanted to be a legitimate third brand, gave them those huge wins at Survivor Series, I think in 2019, promoted them as a third brand, got them on USA TV. They lose to AEW in the quote Wednesday Night Wars. And ever since, the shine seems to be gone from NXT in the eyes of Vince McMahon. What, what is NXT? Is it a third brand or is it just developmental? I think the fact that that question gets asked is probably the issue, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Because I see it as a third brand. I don't think, oh, these are the lads. In the past, I've described NXT to people who don't watch wrestling. It's like WWE's Academy, where their young lads go or their new lads go to learn, learn the business of, of WWE wrestling and then come in, come to the main roster. I, I don't see it that way anymore at all, probably because it's my main show I watch. I love NXT. Is it a third brand? Is it developmental? Vince probably, it seems Vince definitely is a developmental. I think the fans see it as a third brand. Triple H absolutely sees it as a third brand, doesn't he? Him, Shawn Michaels, the trainers, they want that to be the absolute best brand they can to put on television. The fact that we don't know, and it seems they don't know, is probably where the issues come because when Harry and Cross gets called up to Raw for no reason, are we, and loses again last night, are we shocked? 
because he's this unbelievable monster NXT? Or are we not shocked because, yeah, he's kind of developmental. He's in the big leagues now. This is what should happen. Does what you do in NXT matter on the main roster? Now, for me, it absolutely does. But to Vince, I don't think so. Do we have to accept... I don't know if I'm full of controversial theories this morning. I feel like I'm throwing these out left, right and centre. But I wonder whether there's a point where we as wrestling fans have to accept that NXT just isn't that popular. It's great for us wrestling fans who love it, but Vince McMahon can legitimately look and say, I've put you on USA, I cross-promote you on Raw and SmackDown, I've given you all the opportunities I can to make you live and breathe on your own. And yet, you're still not drawing more than a million on on USA TV. And sure, we're in a pandemic, I get that. But you've not had a breakout star. You're not taking off. It's not me, Vince could say. It's you, NXT. You're the problem. You are full of controversial things this morning, aren't you? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, when you look at just purely the numbers and that sort of stuff, yes, it doesn't do the ratings it should. It doesn't do the numbers. It doesn't... It's not as popular as Raw and SmackDown. But to the hardcore wrestling fan, which I know isn't what they're always appealing to, they want the casuals, it it is the best show. AEW appeals to hardcore fans and has grown its audience and has generated more buzz than NXT. I'm playing devil's advocate, but it's hard to argue that NXT hasn't had opportunities. And it's hard to argue they've not had that moment that has broken through, that has got those SmackDown and Raw viewers to go, hey, we're we're checking this out. And they're all within the same WWE family. Is it just that there's too much wrestling, though? Is someone really going to sit down and give seven hours a week to WWE wrestling? Because I know I do, I'm a big enough wrestling fan, I do a wrestling podcast. Um, That says everything you know about me. I'm not spending seven hours a week watching wrestling. I just haven't got the time in my life. I haven't. I have an actual life as well. I'd love to be able to. So does that not come to, actually, people are prioritising the show they want to watch and the more casual viewers, which there are more of, are of course going to watch Raw Smackdown because they've been around forever. I wonder whether the mistake was putting them on USA. I wonder whether the mistake was taking them off the network, putting them on television, trying to use them as a buffer against AEW because it's hard to argue that WWE didn't counter-program AEW with NXT and actually NXT got fairly dinged up in that process and when Vince sees a product that's dinged up and doesn't have the same value as Raw and SmackDown maybe it does define it down in his eyes um that's that's enough controversy Charlie I feel like I'm trying to wind you up early doors not very nice Jack I'm already emotional sir I've got to book the end of the take a streak stop trying to get me angry Well, look, I can't promise I won't get you angry uh, a bit later because there was a weird bit of booking on SmackDown. But let's talk as we go back to rosters and and, and the people who've been let go and are rumoured to be let go. AEW is now being posited as a natural destination for Bray Wyatt, potentially the natural destination for Adam Cole. Does AEW have a problem if it keeps picking up this talent? And also, if you're Tony Khan and this talent is available... Aren't you obligated to sort of pick it up? Bill Tony Khan and some of the most popular and talented wrestlers in the world today are suddenly free agents. Of course you've got to sign them. You see so many comparisons to AW and WCW and they're just going to take WWE old boys and old girls and book them and that's going to be the end of them. But what's different is AW so far got a very good track record of using their former WWE stars, their established names, to help build their homegrown talent. You look at main event stars and who's getting pushed in AW at the moment. Well, yes, there are the 
Moxley's of this world and the people who are more established names to WWE fans, Jericho, of course. But you talk about Darby Allen, MJF, Hangman Page, Kenny Omega. I know Kenny's a huge star, but never been WWE. The books, not WWE. But there's just five at the top of your head. Orange Cassidy, Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa. These people, they've not, they've not been big WWE stars. And they are pretty much across the main event scene, the whole dark order. Like, they, these guys are not former WWE stars. So what they seem to be very good at is supplementing their homegrown stars with WWE more established names. So we spoke about the other week where, when it seems when Punk and Brian end up there, who you'd put them against. And the natural choices are AEW homegrown. So I, I don't think they've got an issue as long as they keep going the way they are. If suddenly the top of the card is Jericho versus Punk, Brian versus Moxley, Cole versus Flair. Let's say Flair ends up there because that's almost carnage. Also, that's a match I kind of want to see in a weird way. Do you <laughs> know I mean, if top of the card just ends up former WWE versus former WWE, then there's an issue because you're going, well, this is just the stomping ground of guys who weren't kept by WWE. But I don't see that being an issue. I also don't see how you don't pick up talent that has value. Now, I would argue that when I watch AEW Dynamite, I sort of skip through the Matt Hardy matches. I, I, I And so there is an argument that, that some talent, and you never do anyone out of a job, but shouldn't be performing on Dynamite. Perhaps they could have a better role backstage developing new talent. But if you're Tony Khan, someone knocks on your door and says, we've got CM Punk on the phone. He wants to come in. Oh, Daniel Bryan's next in line. He's quite keen. And there's rumours about Adam Cole. I don't see how you don't get your checkbook out. And the fact they've had a cup of coffee or more in WWE... I don't see why that would prohibit you from bringing them in. Particularly, you can see AEW has sold out the United Center in Chicago on the basis of the CM Punk speculation alone. Now, imagine AEW goes to um, Washington, uh, where Daniel Bryan's from, or, or, or wherever it may be. That is only going to help their product. It's just having some of the best talent in the world sat there going, we'd quite like to work for you. No one's going to say no. And also... The same people who are saying, oh, it's ridiculous, I'm picking up this talent. If they went to, quote-unquote, indie, if it ended up in Impact or Ring of Honor or NWA, people would be saying, well, why didn't AEW sign them? We've got the money. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're never happy as wrestling fans. It is the curse of being a wrestling fan. We are never happy. Well, speaking of not being happy, we know we're getting John Cena against Roman Reigns at SummerSlam, and we know in the wash it'll be the match we remember but a strange little way to build to it. Finn Balor being offered the match, having the contract for the match, being taken out by Baron Corbin and John Cena swooping in to sign the contract. And even by the weird convoluted logic of wrestling, that's fine, apparently. How have we got this match in front of us with the most most simple and obvious and make sense way to get to it? And how have we gone? No, this is how we'll do it. This is how we'll do it. I just, it, that's not how the world works. That is not how the world works. So what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next in my life is, Marotoje is about to, going to be about to sign his next half million, half many pound contract at Saracens. And he's about to do it. I'm going to run in with a steel chair. I'm going to wipe him out. I'm going to put my name on the piece of paper that is his contract. I'm going to go to Saracen's, what are you going to do? And Saracen's going to go, ooh, 
oh, looks like we've signed Charlie Beckett then because that's how it works. No, no. Like, oh my God, why are you treating us like morons, WWE? We know that's not how the world works. I've been full of nothing but praise for SmackDown and for the whole Roman Reigns storyline the whole time we've been here. But how has Paul Heyman signed off on that? How's he gone? This is how we get to the biggest match of the year. Well, also, they've booked themselves into a position they didn't need to be in. It wasn't like they were, you know, going towards one feud, had to call an audible because suddenly John Cena was free. They've bought Finn Balor back just, just to define him down. And it's not even like Finn Balor has been taken out of this feud and slotted into Edge versus Rollins. It's, Bar- it's Baron Corbin. Yeah, it's are we going we, to get Finn Corbin now? Because you know what? That's a match I don't want to watch. I think we are. And, and look, we're not fantasy booking till a bit later when we'll do the uh, end of the streak, according to Charlie. And by the way, Rob, Hells, John, all of your ones coming up as well. But he- here's what you could have done. You could have had Finn Balor come out on SmackDown after challenging Roman Reigns and talk about how he wanted to beat Reigns. And then Cena could have come out and said, Finn, I respect you. I think you're the future of this business, but my time is now and I need Roman Reigns. And Finn, with that cool, cocky, sexy aura he's got about him, just looks at John and says, fight you for it and gives him a wink. And then the next week on SmackDown, you get a 25-minute match. Cena against Balor. Your ratings will go up. Cena goes over, holds up Finn Balor's hands at the end. Balor's elevated. Cena gets a match. And then the week after that, Balor comes out to address it. And then Corbin attacks him. And if you want Corbin Balor, you're still getting there. But you get a rub for Finn Balor. I mean, Balor was up one week. And then the very next week, boom, straight down he went. Bizarre. As you pointed out in 30 seconds, Jack. Really not that hard to do it in a way that made sense and helped everyone, whereas this helps no one. The only thing that would make me laugh is imagine, imagine if Corbin had signed a contract and we had to watch Roman versus Corbin. <laughs> Cena just had to sit there and be like, there's my shotgun. It's a bizarre way of doing it. I seem to remember they did it back at WrestleMania 20 with the triple threat to get Shawn Michaels involved. He super kicked Benoit. And it is a WWE trope. But it, it's it's a strange way to use it for no real um, reason. But we are getting to where we, we're going to be. It won't, I don't think, stop any of us enjoying the match. I think we're still ready for Cena against Reigns, even if that was a weird little tangent to take us down. Are we ready for more death matches, though, on AEW Dynamite? We have had back-to-back death matches, hardcore matches in main events. Last week was Lance Archer against John Moxley for the IWGP United States Championship. Uh, this week... Uh, Well, we had Chris Jericho and Nick Gage go all out in the main event. Wow. Oh, it was gruesome, wasn't it? It was properly, properly, properly gruesome. It was a proper death match, wasn't it? It was, again, horrible, but fascinating to watch all at once. I couldn't couldn't not watch it, but I wasn't wasn't necessarily enjoying it, but I wasn't hating it. I have a weird relationship with death matches. I'm not really sure what I think about them. Did I enjoy it? I enjoyed the atmosphere. Mm. I enjoyed the commentary. I enjoyed the presentation. I can't say that I'd feel comfortable if my mates came around and said, what are you watching? Say, come around. You'll love this. There's a guy getting hit with light tubes and going through glass. Oh, yeah. Stop. Everyone. Shoo, shoo, shoo. He's about to hurricanrana through glass here. But by the way, that's a spot I remember forever. Hurricanrana off the top rope through the glass. Yeah. OK. Fair play. You've got a bit of vent there, lads. I quite enjoyed that. Also, yeah, probably a bit of a guilty pleasure, this one. Not going to go out and say, I'm not going to go down the pub. I'm like, lads, 
you'll never guess what I was watching last night. Does Chris Jericho now remind you of that era that Ric Flair was going through, sort of in his swan song in WWE, where he just said, I'm going to try everything. So he had his hardcore match with Foley at SummerSlam and the TLC match with Edge, and he ended up in Money in the Bank. And suddenly Ric Flair, at the age of 50-odd, was doing all these gimmick matches and making them work almost just because he could. I feel Jericho's doing the same. Yeah, I think Jericho's going, right, what haven't I done? What do I need to tick off to go down as the one of the greats? What, what, what? when people look back at me and discuss my GOAT status, what, what can they say? Oh, well, Jericho didn't do this. What do I need to do to make sure they can't say that? He's almost doing that, isn't he? Um, let's talk a little bit about Dynamite as a whole. I thought it was a cracking show. The, the Dark Order, Adam Page, that, that five minutes, if you're trying to hook someone in to a new show... The five minutes opening of Dynamite, where they go from the Dark Order, little vignette, the pop for Adam Page. And I hope he's still at the top of the card when all these additions come in, because he is over like Rover. And then you have the elite entering to that basketball montage. If you didn't watch wrestling, that would keep you watching. Yeah, it was just production value of, of the highest sort, was it? But sorry, to go back to Gage Jericho, the best bit of production was Nick Gage using the pizza cutter on Jericho's head into a pizza advert. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I don't know whose idea that was. I don't know who thought this would be funny, but it was. It was, I, I, that genuinely made me belly laugh when I saw that. I was like, that, that's excellent. Just things you could only see in wrestling. You write about Paige. I text you straight after going, I didn't see them losing. I thought they'd beat the elite. I thought they were going to Paige Omega. So, it makes you wonder what we are going to, because that seems a natural match, doesn't it? I think that, that we're talking about adding to the roster, this is where I think AEW may be just in a little bit of danger with their homegrown talents, because if you can't see that Adam Page is the guy that the fans want to get behind next, and I'm sure Tiny Khan can because he's very smart and look where he's got them to already, then you're in a little bit of bother. And I would like to see him involved at the top. Now, I don't know whether you take him out of the title feud with Omega, whether this is just the latest in the storyline that'll see him come back in. But you need, for me, Adam Page to be right in that mix. You don't want him to drop out of that top contender position. No, I completely, I completely agree. He's he is so over. You hear that crowd reaction; it's unbelievable. Um, just a quick one, and I've forgotten the name of the wrestler who did it, which is shocking. But the cell for Malachi Black's Black Mass on the ramp by the masked wrestler whose name has now escaped, which is shocking. Fuego del Sol. Fuego del Sol is one of the best cells I've seen in a long time. It's not over theatrical. It's how you'd actually your body would actually react if someone had just kicked your head off. It, it, it was a really good sell. Lots of boo birds for Cody Rhodes, so I have to say in that segment. Yeah, really interesting. What's Cody done wrong? Like, really interested that he's getting booed. Well, we said, didn't we, a few a few weeks back, once they go back in front of crowds, we will understand who is over and who isn't. And I think Adam Page has exceeded expectations and Cody getting some boos, but let's not gloss over the fact that CM Punk must be coming to AEW. You cannot say the phrase, the best in the world, with the rumours around CM Punk and now not, not delivering. If, it, if they don't deliver CM Punk at the Chicago, in Chicago, at the United Centre, I think it'll be the end of AEW. Charlie, this is 
eaten you up inside. Fantasy booking is meant to be fun. It's meant to be escapism. It's meant to be a moment where we can revel in what might have been. The topic for the past couple of weeks has been one that you wish never, ever happened. I've had to put down on paper how I'd break my own heart. If, it, if this had been how you would end his career, I would just have stopped after 28. 20 and 0, boom, bosh, done. But I'm going to contradict myself with the fact that I'm 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 running him to WrestleMania 36 still with this booking. If I've got to do it, I'm getting the most out of him. He's sticking around. He's sticking so that around. would take him to, well, we'll find out, I guess, but yes. it would take him way beyond the stats he did have. Okay. Um, yeah. We'll do John and Hells and Rob in a moment or two, but let's get this over with, Charlie. Let's, uh, let's see how you would have ended your icon, your hero's undefeated streak at WrestleMania. The floor is yours. Obviously, we have to start at WrestleMania 30. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to run you through what would have happened WrestleMania 30 to 35, okay. and then how it would have ended at 36. So WrestleMania 30, he would have beaten Brock to go 22 and 0. WrestleMania 31, he would have had a match that I just cannot believe we didn't have, where he would have wrestled Sting to go 23 and 0. At 32, you can have that weird match with Shane Hell in the Cell if you want, but I need a better story than we had. I don't. I need. I needed to make more sense because it just didn't, did it? And kind of have a better match if you can, lads. Don't be a half-hour ball fest with just Shane jumping off the cell. But he'd win. Four and Thirty-three. The Undertaker would be nowhere near a wrestling ring because if anyone has watched the last ride, they could tell you that man needed to have his surgery and have a year off. So he would be nowhere near a wrestling ring. He would be off. It would just be, Undertaker's not here this year. And you could let it build up. Ooh, is he retired? We don't know. Ooh, all that sort of commotion. Also, by the way, he's not doing any matches between these. Taker is coming out once a year and once a year only to keep it some sort of spectacle. So he's not having the SummerSlam match with Brock. He's not going back inside the cell with Brock. He's not having his Extreme Rules tag team match. These things aren't happening. We're seeing him once a year and it's special. Because that was the thing. We just kept seeing him. Mm. And... That just ruined it a little bit because you want it to be a pop. Otherwise, you see him every few months, it's a bit like, oh, yay. No, I want it, I want it to be exciting. Uh, Resume 34, he's still going to wrestle John Cena, but they're going to have a proper match because if anyone watches, again, The Last Ride, you can see he was in some of the best shape of him for a long time and they both wanted it and they just didn't get given it. So that could have been such a great build to that match with the promo Cena was cutting at the time. I was just dying for Taker to come back. That's all I wanted then, because that was the first time you lent into him being Mark Calloway, the man. And we'd lean a little into that. He'd beat Cena to go 25 and up. And everyone would be like, that then, the world, I would want the world to think he's finished. 25 and 0, had the match with Cena. Pretty much not confirmed, but everyone's saying that he's done. And then at WrestleMania 35, I want pretty much the exact same build that we had at 36 with AJ Styles. So I want Styles to come out and be like, no, 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 you're not done, and go right at the man, Mark Calloway, completely at him. Not at the Undertaker, at the man. And then I do want that mix of Biker Taker with a bit of Dead Man in him. That, that whole holy trinity he spoke about, I want the exact same build. And I loved the Boneyard match. I thought it was just the best they could have done in that situation. But I do think AJ Styles could have taken him to one more really good match. And I want to see that at 35. And take it to win. So he's going into WrestleMania 36, the Undertaker is 26 and 0. Okay, 26 and 0. Like it's the greatest streak in all of sports. My fantasy booking, WrestleMania 36, the pandemic has not happened and it has fans. Okay, it's at Raymond J Stadium because the biggest travesty 
I can't, is the Undertaker's career finished not in front of fans? Like, it breaks my heart every time I think about it. So we were back in front of fans. So we're six weeks out from WrestleMania and with no warning, no build-up, we're in the middle of Raw and the lights go out and you get the Undertaker's entrance. And that's where it's always best. It should be without warning. It should be when you're least expecting it because that's when the crowd get excited. Out he comes, but not as a dead man. He's still there as the biker bike sort of takes. So you get the dong, but then you get the more rocky music. You get you get his entrance. He can come out on his bike if you want. Bring the bike out. Ride him out on his Harley. And he gets to the ring and he just says, this is it. This year, WrestleMania will be my last ride. This is the last, last my last wrestling match. This time next week, I'll be back on Raw. And this is an open challenge to anyone, to anyone, had their one last shot at the streak. And that's all. It's a very short promo. And all week, the height's building. And the rest is talking about why they think they should do it. The rest is talking about they're going to take their shot. And it's just, for a week, I'd want wrestling Twitter, just to be ablaze. Who, who's going to get, who's going to face and take his last match? So the week after the main event segment, Take comes out on his bike again. And he gets in the ring and he says, well, I've been waiting all week and you've all been talking on the internet, you've all been talking on Twitter, but no one's come right to me. Is there literally no one left for me to face? Is no one going to step up? It's, do I need this last match or am I done? Is there anyone worth my time? And the lights go out. And the lights come back on and take us there looking. And he just laughs almost. He's like, guys, not my gimmick anymore. That's my old gimmick. Guys in the back, I'm not a lights out man anymore. And the lights go out again. And the lights come back on. But this time, Taker's not laughing. Stood opposite him in the ring is Alistair Black. And he just looks at him. And Taker goes to say something with the mic. And Black just hits him with a black mass. And Taker's lay on in the middle of the ring. And Black just crosses his legs, sits next to him, looks right down the hard cam. And that is how Raw goes off the air. With an Undertaker passed out on the canvas with Alistair Black just sat next to him. So we've now got our, we've now got our main, main event. Our main, main event is going to be Alistair Black versus The Undertaker for Undertaker's last ever match. But the next week, Black comes out and he just says, it's his duty to put the old dog down. It's, it's, time, it's time for him to put the old dog down for good, but he doesn't, he doesn't want this biker taker. That's not, that's not who he wants to face. And he just looks down the camera and he says, Taker, at Mania, bring back the dead man. And the week after, we get taken back in, and he just comes back out as biker taker, and he, he one face to face with that black. He just says, "Boy, are you sure?" And Black just nods and he says, "Be careful what you wish for." Slits his throat and just chokes Sam Alistair Black. We've got it set. It's going to be Alistair Black versus the Return of the Dead Man one last time, and on. The go home raw, we don't see either of them. But all we have for the build up is a, one of those WWE VT masterclasses where we just have to, dotted throughout the show down interviews, sit down talking heads with people who've tried and failed to end the streak. So Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Autumn, Flair, Kane, Cena, Brock, all these people, Styles. And they're just explaining that Alistair Black might be the most dangerous thing in WWE right now, but he's got no chance. He doesn't know what he's getting himself in for. This is the Undertaker at WrestleMania. There's nothing like it. So we have Mania. 
and it's clearly it's got to be the main event. Whether he wins or loses, it's the last time we're seeing The Undertaker. So we have two of the all-time great WrestleMania entrances. Black comes out first and give him all the bells and whistles that like they did at WrestleMania 35 for his entrance in the match with Ricochet. Because it's just, it's such a great entrance, that one. Give him all that. But then after 18 months of not seeing it, we get dong and the lights go out, the flames come up. All the druids in the world come out with flame torches <laughs> and they make a big, they make like the flame torch thing tunnel for him. And the fog comes out and Taker just rises out from the stage like, like he's ascending from hell itself one last time and takes one last slow, very slow walk down to the ring. The whole time, Black sat in the ring, cross-legged, just staring at him the whole time, not phased. Anyway, we get in there, Constant Taker's got a thing that caught in the corner where he's like psyching himself up, where he's, you know, he like almost sprints out the corner. Yeah, yeah. And the two of them just sprint. And for the first five minutes, all we get is just brutal strikes from both of them. So punches from Taker and just knees and kicks and forearms from Black. And Black gets the gets his tendency, but every time he hits one big kick that would normally put someone down or put them on their knees, he just gets a complete no from Taker, just staring at him, almost laughing. And you can see it's sort of rocking Alistair Black because this doesn't happen. When he hits people with these this hard, they go down. And you just hear Taker say, I told you to be careful. And then Taker starts to get the ascendancy and finally he goes up for an old school and he comes down hard and Alistair Black and he goes to come off the ropes and finish him off and he just sees that Black has just stood there laughing and Black just says to him, you're not the only one who can do this. And the two of them just keep slugging it out. But as the match goes on, we of course go through Taker's greatest hits. So we get a snake eyes into a big boot. We get a last ride. We get a leg drop. We get a choke slam. We get one last dive over the top from the Undertaker. He somehow does it at 57 or whatever it is at this point. He goes over the top rope. And finally, he hits a Hell's Gate, which Black won't tap out, and finally hits a Tombstone. But everything he throws at Alistair Black, he just keeps kicking out. He's not putting him away. And you can see, after about 20 minutes, probably from the first times ever, you can see the Undertaker is tired. He's starting to look less and less like the dead man and more and more just like an old man, which, could be brutally honest, he is. So Black takes his ascendancy and his strikes are just brutal. You know what he's like. And Taker is visibly wobbling on his feet, but he won't go down. He's not going down. That's the story of this match. Taker has not been on his back yet. And then one Black Mass puts him down. One, two, kicks out. Gets up again, he's staggering on his feet, and Black's just saying to him, Stay down, dead man. It's your time. Let me end you. It's your time. And Taker just looks at him and he's wobbly. And you just see the classic with his gloves up, just come on, then bring it motion. And this looks like it's going to be the end because Taker is out. And Black just looks at him, it's another black mass. And it's one, two, Taker kicks out again. And no one can believe it. And you can see Black genuinely almost, almost looking upset, looking angry. And he's on all fours and he's grabbing Taker's head and he grabs his forehead against his forehead. And he just says, just stay down. You've got nothing to be ashamed of. You're just done. You're done. Let me, let me put you out of your misery. 
let me finish this. I have to put you down. And Taker eventually gets to his feet. He looks black in the eye. He was just pleading with him, saying, let me finish this. And Taker just looks at him, looks around, looks back in Black's eyes and just nods, just nods at him. And then just as Black's about to go for Black Mass, he just stops him, puts his hand out and one last time just slipped his throat at him, tongue out. And then Black just hits him with a brutal Black Mass as one, two, three. Taker goes 26 and one. Alistair Black is the one in 26 and one and the streak is over. Taker's career is over. Alistair Black gets out of the ring quickly. He can have his glory the next night on Raw. He's out of there. He wants nothing to do with it right now. He probably gives Taker a little hug on the floor, but he's out of there. And post-match, all I want is the exact same as what happened at WrestleMania 33 because that is how it should have ended. I want Taker to get up, fold his, hat, fold his coat, place his hat on top, place his gloves on top, get out of the ring, give Michelle McCool a kiss, hug his daughter, walk up the ramp, get on his little bit that sinks, right hand up, and just sink back into the floor. And we will not see Mark Calloway again until he goes into the Hall of Fame, because we don't need to. And at the Hall of Fame, he will give an all-time speech with stories that we cannot believe, I'm sure. But that, that's how I do it, because I think it gives... It make, I, I want him to go out with a good match. I think Black could carry him to it. And I know Asa Black's not in WWE anymore, but I think it was just such a missed opportunity to get to have their next. And spooky's a weird word, but dark, foreboding, spooky, powerful star. I don't want it to be supernatural, but just be that something different there. I think they, they dropped the ball with that. And I just thought, that, yeah, that's how I would have done it. Well, firstly, round of applause for that, because that cannot have been easy for you to book. I love it. I, I love that Taker has some swagger back heading into that final match. There was too often that Taker seemed like, because he was older and he wasn't able to do as much in the ring, although, God, he gave us five-star matches far beyond most normal people. He, he, he looked a little bit like a shadow of himself to get his swagger and cockiness back against Black. And I, I just think, I look, had that happened, I'd have been okay with the streak ending. It would have been fine with me. Yeah, and that's that's all you like. I didn't want it to, but if if it did, I would have liked us to make a new star. I think that's that. What's that is what that would have done. Yeah, interestingly, you you say he should have gone out in front of fans. Hindsight being twenty twenty, would you take back the Boneyard match with AJ Styles and give him that match with AJ in front of fans if you could, or was the Boneyard match so perfect you wouldn't want to tinker with it? If I could only have one. I probably would have had a match in front of fans because I was so excited for that because I thought this will be within back in real life and what had happened. I thought this should be his last match. And if there's anyone in that company now who can take him to a really good match, it's AJ Styles. I would have been tempted, and I don't know where he's at, to try and try and get him back out again this year against Styles, had a rematch in a, actually in front of fans. I would have been tempted to run that again um, because I think that would have been interesting and your natural story is there. But they did what they did. And yeah, Boneyard match is excellent. I just think he didn't get a send-off in front of fans. Like to his that Survivor series thing was weird. It was yeah. weird. Yeah. And I just think at some point he's got to have that standovation. Now it'd probably be the Hall of Fame when he comes out at Mania after, which is fine. But that just 
he'll always be ashamed that he didn't get that last match for the fans. Like you think about flares and those sort of people, and Taker didn't get that. It, it's a great what if because having watched the last ride like you have, and I'm sure everyone listening has, you know that if that match with AJ had been in front of fans and had Taker, God forbid, slipped on the rope or had AJ botched a finish or injured himself, you know Undertaker would have driven himself for another year in search of closure. So I'm not sure I'd take the Boneyard match back. I think I like that as a way for it to end. You never predicted it. That said, that thing was weird at Survivor Series. It was very, very, I get it, but it was very strange the way they did it. Odd is the word. It was just really, really odd. Yeah. So let's do a few more of these that have come in. Actually, some people not thinking too far away from you, Charlie, although Rob isn't one of them. He says, hi, guys. I think you could have in, uh, conjured up the energy of Randy Orton at his devious best and used him to defeat Undertaker. Slot Orton into the punk role at WrestleMania 2019, uh, WrestleMania 29, excuse me. Bring back the legend killer gimmick and have him slay the ultimate legend. Hell says, in the word of Vince McMahon, it's gotta be Kane. Sure, it wouldn't be a classic, and it wouldn't build anyone who wasn't already at that level before, but for storyline purposes, it's the one that fits. And this is John, who says, I want Paul Heyman to be the one who ends the streak. Not literally, but hear me out. Heyman develops an obsession with taking Undertaker out and spends a year trying to do just that. He brings in different young hired hands, all of whom we can take her, but don't beat him through the year until finally the dead man falls at WrestleMania. All of the young talents benefit from working with Heyman and Taker, and whoever gets a nod, and John is thinking like you, he says, I'd make it Alistair Black, is a made man for life. I suppose that's something we could throw into the mix, that actually, you could have got more out of Undertaker in terms of the build to the streak, not you, but WWE, if you had him do four matches in the build to the end of the streak, so you give him a year and say you have him four matches, we're going to pick four young dudes for you to work with. Talk about giving them equity. Yeah, I think that's, that's maybe the thing that always frustrates me with it is it could have been so brilliantly used to build people, even losing to it. Like the story that we had, we had the great matches with Triple H and with Shawn Michaels, and then we only got one, which was Punk being like, I am here for one reason, one reason only, and that's the end of streak. That's it. This is now the biggest thing. I feel like we could have had a few more years of that, even at Mania, and given a few more young, young superstars that rub. So, look, we have to set something new for next week. Do you have something in mind? I do not, Jack, because I probably should have thought about it over the weekend. Oh, no, we no, all no, know, no. We all know what happened over the weekend. I got drunk and cut a promo on you on voice, WhatsApp voice note, which is interesting. So I haven't, but it looks like you do. I'm ready. I'm ready. And yeah, um, we'll, we'll go down this avenue. I, I started a, a new part of my job at the weekends, had a very early start on Saturday. So went to bed early on Saturday and I woke up on Sunday morning. And it's fair to say that Charlie was, in journalistic phrases, a little tired and emotional uh, after a day of rugby and a day of having a pint, I'd maybe been, more yeah, than I'd... a pint. I'd been watching Sevens all day at a Sevens festival. And what are you meant to do when you're watching Sevens? I had a few drinks is what you do. But you'd also seen the Bray Wyatt news. So I woke up the next morning to a far less articulate version of the Charlie Beckett we all enjoy each week going, tell me, mate, if I say anything I shouldn't about Bray Wyatt on social media. And then a second message which said something like, oh, la-di-da, I'm Jack Murley. I'm probably in bed with a cup of tea because I'm so sensible. And it was a proper shoot promo you cut on me. Where did that come from? 
zero idea. And I woke up on Sunday and went, oh, Jack's text me. That's nice. <laughs> I looked at my phone. I just saw three voice notes. I went, oh, no. What have I said? And it took me a good 20 minutes to psych myself up to listen to them. See, I, w- I was on air presenting another show when you messaged me, so I couldn't get back to you and say, it's absolutely fine. So I decided to let you just stew for a bit. So look, I have got one. And actually, it links into a little bit of what you were saying there about Undertaker and Sting. And I didn't know that you were going to say that before I did this. I think we should do a couple of weeks of booking wrestling's greatest missed opportunities. The matches and programs we should have had, could have had, where all the ingredients were there at the right time in the right place, but for some reason, it just never came together. How does that suit you? Really, really, really like that. Okay, excellent. Well, next week will be the start of wrestling's greatest missed opportunities, but don't go anywhere. After the break, we will be sending something back to developmental and something will be earning a push. Part three of the show is always where we apply the terminology of wrestling to everyday gripes, grievances, and things we love. Something we love is earning a push, and something we hate is going back to developmental. Uh, Charlie, do you want to go first or second? I'll go second this week. I've been first the last few weeks. Okay, so for me, earning the push, and this, this may be twisting the definition a little bit, but I'm actually going to give a big push to just wrestling, okay? Because we sit here every week and we go on social media and we gripe and we moan about things we don't like and the things that we don't enjoy. But even at its worst, there's nothing like wrestling. And so I'm going to give a push to having wrestling in front of crowds back and wrestling in general. There's so many great podcasts, not just ours, but others. There's so many great documentaries. The independent scene's doing great things. British wrestling is back up and running. We know indies across the United States are running again wrestling is getting a push from me because I was sitting thinking about this earlier today. I don't know where my life would be without wrestling. I don't know what would fill that gap that I pour my energy into with wrestling at the moment. So wrestling is getting the push back to developmental noisy neighbors. They Mm. are going all the way back to developmental because I live in Cornwall. We have lots of holiday makers. They're great. They're good for the economy. We need them. But if you were sitting at 11.30 outside my house in your garden, having a barbecue and playing music to all hours, you were going back to developmental. We don't need it. Jack is already in bed with his cup of tea by then. Let, let oh. him be. Leave him be. <laughs> oh, this is, this is a running little sore for you, isn't it, my cups of tea? No, noisy neighbours are just so inconsiderate. Just be considerate, guys. Just be considerate. Yes. It's not hard. Right. For me, earning the push is the Great Britain Sevens rugby team, both the men and women at the Olympics this uh, this past week. I've got friends in both and absolutely heartbroken for them that they both missed out on medals finishing fourth. But both teams had all their funding completely cut when the pandemic hit. Completely. I mean, like, the rugby governing bodies didn't give them a penny. They cut everything. So they had to crowdfund. And amazingly, I know I saw an interview on the New Zealand women. Like, the New Zealand women were donating to the crowdfund so the GB7s women could get to the Olympics. Like, it's amazing rugby community. I love it. And they both went and did our country more than proud mm-hmm. and faced adversity that they should never have had to as professional athletes this year. This was not what should have happened to them. And they went out there and did far better than anyone was expecting them to, than they should have, as I said, heartbroken both of them losing in the bronze medal match the way they did. 
both could have won gold, ended up with nothing. It's horrible, but just so, so proud of them. And they're just all so proud. So huge round of applause and earning the push for both GB7's teams. Um, and back to that mental is roadworks. Ah. I do a lot of driving to get to and back from training. I don't live that near training. I choose to live in a different place. So I do the four-hour round trip for me. The amount of times, the number of times I'm having to divert because of roadworks that I then don't see anyone doing anything at the roadworks and it adds half an hour to my journey and I get in at half 12 rather than midnight, which makes a real difference to me. Oh, it's infuriating. My biggest gripe with it is we've just had 12 months where no one's been on the road. Why did we not do all the roadworks then? Yeah, I'm not going to take a pop at construction workers because they're all bigger than me and burlier than me. You may feel comfortable taking on the people doing our roads because you are a big burly man yourself, but I, I can't. What I will agree with you on is when there are roadworks and you may have your sat-nav on and your sat-nav goes, turn left. And you go, I can't, there's roadworks. And you go past it and your sat-nav goes, Jesus, you should have turned left. Quick, spin round, go left, go left, go left. And then you have to pull over and reset it all just to make it work. Unbelievable. I've always like bad diversions. I follow a lot of diversions. Mm. And sometimes the signs will just stop. I'm like, well, I don't know the way. Yeah. I'm on a diversion. I'll get to a roundabout and it won't send anything. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to go straight and see what happens. The other week, I had two diversions cross over each other. So I ended up following the wrong diversion signs. <laughs> Why was there more than one diversion on the set? Oh, on the set. So yeah, roadworks. I've got no time for them. Yeah, you see, you see, you. When I was younger, I thought I'd go straight and see what happened, and it didn't work for me then. And it probably, <laughs> probably, probably not the best thing for you to follow on the roads either. As a general rule of thumb, it's never particularly good to pursue. Very, very good. Um, right. Well, look, those I think all seem worthy things to send back to developmental and to give a push to. Uh, thank you all for listening to this show, by the way. We make it for you. We are wrestling fans. We love chatting about it as much as you do. Thanks for everyone who gets in touch. Uh, you can do it by at Charlie underscore Beckett, at Jack underscore Murley, earning the push podcast at hotmail.com, as you know by now. And keep sharing the love. Tell a mate about us. Make someone you listen. We uh, just love having more and more of you listen each and every week. Uh, Charlie, when we meet next time, will we have seen Chris Jericho do something mad in his match with Juventud Guerrera? And will we have seen Reigns and Cena get back on a more even track? Yes and yes, because I'm just hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm in a hopeful mood this Tuesday morning. Yes and Excellent. yes. Well, we started with winding you up about NXT. We end on a positive note. Uh, we will be back next Thursday, same time, same place, when we'll do it all again. But until then, on behalf of myself and Charlie, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>